It is Tuesday, February 7. You are listening to the Big Sports Breakfast on Sky Sports Radio. Latrell Mitchell and Jack Whiten cleared to play in the All-Stars game. Men through the footy season, pending the outcome of their court hearings. It was revealed yesterday after their little scuffle and arrests there in the early hours of Sunday morning on the weekend. Uh, Now, big news overnight in the Premier League in that Manchester City has been charged with more than 100 breaches of its financial rules after a long investigation. And so it now goes to an independent commission. And this could drag on, but they could even find themselves expelled from the Premier League or docked significant points and facing big fines as well, Manchester City. Two days out from the start of the first test, we are uh, between Australia and India. And Steve Smith has told cricket.com.au if they can win in India, it's bigger than an Ashes triumph. There you go, pup. I suppose that probably saying that considering it's more rare than an Ashes triumph, although then again, we haven't won in England since 2001, mm. but uh, very, very rare that we've had success in India. Yeah, well, when did we win in India? 2004. So we've drawn a series, an Ashes series in England, um, but we haven't won, like you say, since 2001. So to me, yeah, they're, they're as big as each other. There's no doubt about it. They're as hard as each other. That's why I say I feel like these next two overseas tours for this Australian team are a wonderful opportunity. If we can beat India and India and then go and win the Ashes, my goodness, we are head, head above everyone else in regards to being the number one team in the world. You see a lot of teams struggle to win away from home. Uh, they're able to win in their own backyard, but playing away from home and having success is a lot more difficult. India is a great challenge, there's no doubt about it, especially with, you know, at the moment we're saying no Hazelwood, no Stark, could be no Cameron Green as well. Um, that makes life a lot harder, particularly at the start of this series. Um, but in saying that, they have no Boomer and no Rishapunt as well. So uh, that might even itself out. But yeah. yeah, I think winning in India is tough. Winning in England's tough. So yeah, I but wish you, just on that. Then you know, if 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 Cameron Green doesn't play, yep, all right, yeah, and you want to fill that number six position, do you go with the batter because of obviously Green being out, but also the fact that Travis had Travis Head hasn't really had success over there in the subcontinent. No, and he I'm, doesn't. Play, I'm not, there's this thing about Travis Head not playing spin. I'm well, not picking. I'm not picking a batsman to save another batsman. No, I'm working out how do we win the Test match, and generally. To win a test match, you've got to take 20 wickets. So I'm backing. Let's say if Travis said hasn't got the greatest record over there, I'm either making a decision that he's improved and he will come good, or I'm not picking him in my 11. But when you look at Australia's batting order, Kawaja, Warner, Labashane, Smith, Head, question mark at six, Alex Carey, that top seven, that's a good enough top seven to make enough runs, in my opinion. So my... Uh, 8, 9, 10, 11, and probably number 6 would be determined by how am I taking 20 wickets because that's how you win test matches. Yeah, because I, I think it could be a risk if you go ahead, Agar, Carey at 5, 6, 7. No, or, you or Carey, Agar, if you move Carey, Carey up. Yeah. But, but, Carey but those Carey three six. together... That worries me. Yeah, yeah. No, that's what that's what I feel like. If you your number six, your number six, that they'll they're either go well, they can't go a genuine all rounder because they haven't got another one. They, they, Ashton Agar is not a number six batsman in Test cricket. Mm. 
No. Uh, Ashton Agar can play as the set. You can go two quicks. Yeah. So Ashton Agar is a fantastic number eight. Yeah. So eight, nine, ten, eleven are two quicks, two spinners. Now you've got to work out if Cameron Green's fit, if Cameron Green can bowl ten overs in the test match, I'm picking him at number six because yeah. his batting's good enough. So I'm saying Cameron Green at number six, bowl me a, a handful of overs. I'm using Travis Head at number five to bowl me some handy overs. I'm using Marnus Labuschagne at number three to bowl me some handy overs. And then if need be, I've got Steve Smith as well who can bowl some handy overs. I think that team looks strong enough. Two quicks. Two spinners, Cameron Green at number six, and use your part-timers. I think that's a that's – a, Cameron Green's batting's definitely good enough at number six, in my opinion. Time to talk some basketball, and the Sydney Kings are looking to run it back. You can play your part in history as well. So tickets for the Kings' first semifinal go on sale today, 4 p.m. today via Ticketek. And tickets for the game at Kudos Bank Arena on Wednesday, February 15. So that's in, what, eight days' time, tomorrow week. They start at just $30 for adults, $65 for a family. We've also got the NBL Awards Night to be held tonight in Melbourne. And joining us now is the owner of the Sydney Kings, Paul Smith. Paul, a very good morning to you. Good morning, Big Sports Breakfast. What's doing? Oh, mate, not much. Looking forward to these playoffs. <laughs> but uh, And I want to start by asking you on the court. The team heads into the playoffs with two wins from their past six matches. How mm. concerned are you? Mate, we mate, we've been we locked up number one. You can always kick it into neutral on occasion. It's all right. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're okay. Oh, look, it's you know, look, you know, form's temporary, class is permanent. Yeah. We'll be right. We'll click it back. It. We've got uh, about uh, eight nine days to our next game, so you know, there's a lot of work to be done. Uh, but you know, we rested a couple of players. Xavier Cooks, you know, he had Friday night off and. Um, you know, we gave Derek Walton a rest on uh, Sunday. He had a bit of wrist soreness that he'd uh, encountered. So, you know, a couple of key pieces not playing. And, you know, obviously we like to keep the wins rolling over, but it didn't quite happen. But that's the way it goes. And, uh, you know, I think we're all in pretty good shape. The team's healthy. Um, and that seems to be the, I think, the biggest factor going to the finals is just making sure everyone's able to get on court. And we're pretty confident about that. Yeah, Paul's going to ask, is that the players' attitude as well? Because I feel like leading into, you know, finals, uh, whether you win or lose leading up is really dictated by as long as the players are confident and they're nice and relaxed about the situation, then it makes no difference. A lot of people talk about momentum going into finals or losing, does it give you the kick up the backside that you need? But how, do the, how are the players feeling? Oh, they're pretty good. I, I, they flew out on uh, Monday morning. They flew from Perth back to back to Melbourne uh, for the awards dinner tonight. And I, I got into Melbourne last night. I was in Perth as well. So, I, I we we had uh, we actually, you know, we actually one of those rare occasions. We actually went out Sunday night after the game and sort of loosened up a little bit. That was a bit of fun. And I think everyone's, um, you know, everyone's sort of come out of that pretty positive and. You know, look, it's a the, the advantage we have, of course, is that we, you know, we got through a finals last year and won a championship, and you know that experience I think is really important. I think the core of the group, you know, we're, we're involved in that. They know what's required, and they know that it, when it all when it all comes down to it, you know, the regular season is a regular season, but you know, the finals are are going to be uh, where it all matters, you know. And of course, with the new structure of the league, with the playing games and so on and so forth this week. It's going to be a bloodbath out there, you know. We're just glad we're sitting in first, you know. We'd hate to be caught up in that in that mess that's going to be taking place over this week as 
these teams beat the hell out of each other to try to get through to the semi-final. So, mm. you know, I think we're you know, you know we're in a pretty good place. I think the guys are pretty cool with it, and uh, you know, we'll see what comes next week. But yeah, next Wednesday, um, Wednesday week, I guess. Uh, is really where it all where, where the rubber hits the road for the Kings. Yeah, in the first semi-final. Paul, we know that Sydney's a very competitive sporting market, but how proud have you been of the team, but also the people who support the Kings? Because your numbers there at the arena have been fantastic. Yeah, Laurie. Yeah, it's um, oh, you know, look, it, it goes without saying that you know we're we're, we're in, we've encountered some extraordinary crowds, unprecedented sort of levels of attendance, and. You know, it's just gotten bigger and bigger, and you know, well, not I'm proud of the team, but I'm grateful for the community and the support we're getting. Um, you know, and the fact that you know programs like this take interest in what we're doing means such a great deal to us as well. You know, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, you know, we really, really believe in what basketball's got to offer, and uh, we, you know, we think it's got a place in the market, and that's being demonstrated by the fact that people are coming out and supporting the team, and you know, so I've. I just got a couple of the ratings on the weekend. The game on Sunday was one of the like, highest rating games of the year in the NBL. You know, it was an extraordinary finish to the season. And you know, once again, we're glad to be part of it. Yeah, so really, really grateful and very proud. I guess a lot of questions then, considering how well the league's going, what is next? And I see that Larry Kesterman has uh, said that there could be a you know, 12-team competition as soon as 2026. I mean, what's the key to capitalising, do you think, on the popularity of the league at the moment? Is it expansion? Is it just to, you know, increasing the salary cap to getting more big-name imports? What are your thoughts on it? Because at the same time, I'm sure you're thinking, say, in the Sydney market, Paul, you probably don't want to dilute your support and your product as well. Yeah, look, it's, um, it's an interesting question. No, I'm not, I'm not a... I'm not a big fan of rapid expansion, um, and I don't think the NBL could be accused of that. Uh, you know, uh, but one of the advantages we've got here is that the the expansion's geographically spread. It's not like we're concentrating seven or eight teams in Sydney, and you know, like the NRL, and and uh, you know, and and sort of overpopulating a market or over 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 diluting market, if you wish, but. Um, the, uh, the, I think one of the most important things is just ensuring that there's the relevant talent available. I think that what, we've, what you're seeing right now in the NBL is really high-quality play. Um, and I think that is really, really important that we can retain that. Uh, I'm not saying there's not a, not a, not a, a sort of a, a pool of talent in Australia to support uh, the expansion of teams. I'm not saying that at all. But, you know, I think it's going to be handled pretty carefully and... Uh, you know, and and of course, it's it's the, the issue you've got to, is that there's a limited number of experienced NBL players, and so you know Tasmania has been, I think, a bit of an outrider. I think their success coming into the league has been pretty unusual. Normally, you'd think an expansion team will sort of have to battle away, but they sort of burst onto the scene, and I think in pretty unusual circumstances. And my concern would be that is ensuring that the expansion teams are competitive and. And can stand up in a in what is a pretty torrid league to play in. It's a um, you know this is a man's league. It's a it's a really tough league to play in. It's it's a very physical form of basketball we play here. Um, so I think that's my primary concern. But clearly that again it underlines the demand there is for the product. And you know I'm not involved directly, of course, but I understand there's a lot of interest for the for expansion franchises. So. It's a good sign, and it's a, it's a good sign for the future. What about the awards tonight, buddy? Who are you expecting uh, to receive some from the Kings boys? 
Oh, well, mate, all my, my guys... Apart from all of them. Course, <laughs> <laughs> mate, honestly, I look... I, I look... I, I, I don't know. Look, I think, obviously, I think I'm huge on Cooksey to win MVP. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, look, it's a Eurovision Song Contest, you know. Like, it's, there's a block voting going on and all sorts of things. You know, I just... I, I, I just don't... You know, I just don't know. I, 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 you know, hopeful we're all here. We all want to see Cooksey lift the trophy. We'd love to see Chase get it. Mm. We would have loved to have seen Justin Simon, you know, pick up, you know, defensive player of the year, but he didn't even get through to the final three, which really makes me a bit nervous, actually, about the whole process. And, uh, you know, we, you know, we, we believe that. Uh, how is it? How, how is it voted on? Well, the way it works is it's a bit opaque, actually, but the way it works is the. Is a group of so-called experts, um, media experts, pull together a list of players that they put forward as nominees to, to then voted on by the head coach and the and the uh, the captain uh, of each team. They vote. So there's ten. There's twenty votes, and they vote on each of the categories. And that those people can't vote for their people from their own club. Is the way I I understand it. So I'm an owner of a team, and I don't know how it works. I don't know how they do it. So okay, I'll take the know. question back. <laughs> no, 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 it's okay. It's, it's a fair question, and, and that's the best answer I can give you. Yeah. Honestly, I can't believe we weren't asked. Uh, yeah. yeah no. oh, uh, are you expecting Paul? I guess you know you had some decent turnover of players heading into this season. What about? I know you don't want to, you know, you've got a playoff series ahead of you, but uh, are you anticipating, say, someone like Xavier Cooks, could he end up being, you know, end up in the NBA and therefore you're facing another significant turnover of players? I mean, he lost your MVP last offseason in Jalen Adams. Uh, what are you expecting, I guess, come uh, the period after the finals? Well, there's this, um, you know, the finals end and then I think we've got a month, I think it's a month before free agency starts. Mm. And, uh, the period before free agency, I call pre-agency. So it's always on. You know, it's always players are always considering their next options and so on and so forth. You know, you know, our our focus is, and this sounds a bit sort of cliche, but our focus has been on the current season. We haven't we haven't engaged in any sort of you know significant thinking or discussions about about the following seasons. We've got a number of players on on contract, including Xavier, but Xavier's got a release uh, for the NBA. And if he was to pick up that option or pick up that uh, opportunity, as, as much as it would be as, as disappointing and heartbreaking for us as a club, it would be equally we'd be equally proud and happy for him. So, you know, that's 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 the beauty of this league. And I always call I always describe the NBL as, as an intersection league, in the sense that people are always going somewhere. They're either sort of coming down from another league or they're going looking for another opportunity. They're moving through here and. And that's the nature of what we do. And, uh, and you know, if Xavier got that opportunity, we'd be grateful for that. And But as regards to, um, you know, the, the way, the structure of the roster for next year, you know, one of the great things you've dem- we demonstrated, I think, this year is we lost three really, really unique and very special players in the imports we had last year, including Jalen Adams as MVP. But we were managed to attract players to come in and replace them and, I think that's the really important part of this is the NBL is such an attractive league to play in. Uh, and frankly, in my conversations with the imports particularly, uh, Sydney is a, just a great place to play basketball. Um, it's, a, it's, it's a reputation internationally as a, as, a, as a city and as a venue. And as a club, I think we've got a great opportunity to always bring new talent in. 
And, you know, and, and, I'm, and I can assure you that coming back to where we started the conversation here this morning is the fact that we've got such great support in Sydney. It's such an event to go to and it's just such an event to play for and play in that, you know, that drives that whole demand for players that want to come and play in our, for our club and for our city. So we think we're well-placed, um, but you never know. And, and, but, and that's, the, that's one of the great things about the league is it, it shifts so quickly, you know, because of talent movement and so on and so forth. So, you know, you, there's always a chance that you can come together and, and put the magic together in a, in a roster and get on and uh, have, a, have a deep run in the finals. And that's what we're trying to do this year. Hopefully it's another magical playoffs for the Kings and we have another title, Paul. And uh, hopefully we see Xavier Cooks and or Chase Buford celebrating some individual success tonight at the NBL Awards as well. Thanks for your time as always. Enjoy the final series. Thanks a lot, guys. All the best. Have a good show. Paul, Paul Smith there, the Kings owner. I think on the uh, topic of, of expansion, I actually think it would be a mistake to put another team in Sydney. Doesn't the Kings all-encompass this town. It's such a strong brand. I'm a bit like you, Mido. I like rivalries, but I think you need to make sure that the Kings never lose what they've got now. I don't think you can just manufacture. Well, we saw it with the, the Razorbacks. Yeah, it, didn't I mean, it just didn't work. No, it didn't work. No. And the, no. I, I They're think, a strong brand. And, and they got bigger. St- the last yeah. three or four years, and, they got bigger as well. And you need a strong brand here in Sydney. Yeah. Because Sydney is hard. It's a tough market for sporting organisations. And you don't want to cannibalise each other. So I I think you just leave the Kings here. So who's your next team? Canberra. Canberra. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that makes sense as well. Most definitely the ACT. Yeah. What is it? Three hundred thousand yeah. people yeah. in the in but, but the years Canberra ago, Mido, right? and they were strong years ago as yes. well. They had a great following. Didn't very, they? very much. So. Were you playing at the time? They were when I first went to Canberra. Yeah. The Canberra Cannons were massive. Yeah, you go and watch them play at the AIS there. No brainer there. You know, Herb McGeechan, Phil Smith, Cal Bruton, Phil Smith. <laughs> they, they had a wonderful team. Mm. I've just seen that uh, Tom Brady. Have we got Tom Brady locked in for the lunch yet? You made a call. Uh, I've messaged him. He's seen it on WhatsApp. I've got the two blue ticks. I'm just waiting for him to come back. Time difference. I reckon you two just one on one for three hours. I reckon that'll do for the afternoon. T Brady. He's quite busy at the moment. Um, He's trying to work out what daddy daycare looks like with the kids. Well, just seven days on, seven days off. He's, you know, but don't worry, he'll find time. Well, just on that now that he's retired and he's about to start a 10-year squillion-dollar deal. 400 million, was it? Fox Sports in the US. Yeah. He's uh, said over there uh, in the States today that he doesn't expect to begin his broadcasting career until, well, it says the fall of 2024, which is not... Yeah, Next NFL season, the one after. Yeah, he needs a bit of a break. So he's going to have 18 months off, basically. Yeah, just, just sorting the daddy daycare situation yeah, out, well, obviously. Yeah, he's got some, some other priorities. That $400 million can wait. He's got, uh, he's got a trip to Europe, uh, a little holiday. He's got a trip down under for the big sports breakfast lunch. Um, and then he's got time with his kids. Yeah, just give him a go. Surely he's going to Ibiza or something. No, I think he's doing south of France. Okay, right. Hmm. All right. Wonder who'll be there. Uh, this morning, the delayed Pebble Beach Pro Am concluded with Englishman Justin Rose winning by uh, three shots. What were we just looking at on the Today Show here in our monitors in the studio? Why am I looking at Tom Brady in his undies? What's going on in retirement? Nah, it must be a sponsorship deal. Ath Leisure Line. I that think must that be called. his own line, mm. and oh. they must be selling undies now. Oh. 
I mean, is that a single bloke or what? Just yeah, getting his gear off? Mate, he's just looking Seriously. after his company. He's oh, trying to sell please. some product. Very what do you skinny, want him to do? though, isn't he? Oh, well, he's been drinking alkaline water and hasn't had an ounce of sugar for about 15 years. That'll change. You reckon you really enjoyed that type of lifestyle? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether I could. What's that? Oh, just doing what Tom's doing at the moment and yeah. how regimented he was with his diet. and Next level, apparently. Yeah. Oh, like, And just you know, sleep was like 8.30, sleep. Yeah, you've got to have a eight, life. Eight hours yeah, every night. Yeah, but now he can. Now that's why, you know, it's like, mm. is there anyone that goes to work and wants to go? Like you actually, you know, you want to go and do it. There's not many people that have that luxury. So mm. all of us, you're making a sacrifice for your time right now. Like in 10 years' time, yeah. I'm assuming you're going to be retired. So your lifestyle is going to be a lot different. Like you're still disciplined. Yeah. You go to bed at 8.30 every night. So you've got a similar, you know. Yeah, but I know you don't have to have as much discipline yeah. when you're a professional athlete, when yeah. you're playing, but still, That's everyone's got to yeah. do it to a certain extent. Yeah, but he, he just takes it to a new level. But uh, maybe oh, now he might, yeah. like he's earned enough money now, his life's set up, he doesn't need to now go to work. Now he might just cut loose. Look uh, out. He might. <laughs> Look out. I just can't see him doing that, though. You think he's a goody two-shoes? No, I don't think he's a goody two-shoes. No way in the world. What do you say? Everyone's got something. Everyone's else. got something. Yeah, so what do, what, do you, back, what do you think he's going to do, though? What do you think he's going to do? Sit in his house and do nothing, T. Brady? No, no, no. Well, I, just, I just, I don't know. As I say, Mate, that photo is all me know. He posted could be a million dollars. That one photo, that could be a million dollars. Probably. He's wearing that underwear brand, whether it's he, so he owns the company, or someone's paid him for one social media post for a million bucks. Like, mate, you go to the beach every day in shorts and no shirt. What's the difference? He's too good to be true, Tom. Yeah. Too squeaky. Yeah. You reckon there's a scandal coming? Oh, there's too... Yeah, he is. He's too squeaky clean. Tiger. A tiger moment. Yeah, possible. Oh, jeez, man. What about Roger Federer? He's squeaky. No. (laughs) Tom Brady's more squeaky clean than than Roger Federer. Mate, everyone... Has got something there. Everyone. What's something? What's that? Just, I'm, I'm, just, I want just, to know what the something. Well, what are you talking about? It What's could, something? It could be anything. Everyone's got a skeleton in their closet. Roger Federer. Yes, hundred percent. He would. It'd be something. He's done more to keep it in then. Oh yeah. Tom Brady. Well, he's just gone through a separation with his wife. Yeah. yeah. That's not enough. You well, think? No, 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 more. no. We, we, well, we might never hear of it, but I just reckon sometimes these. We've People all got skeleton too, too good to be true. We are too good to be true. Ooh, okay. The unicorns are too good to be true. Okay. That's uh, all I'm saying. Just on the next, uh, we were speaking to Paul Smith just before the news. Uh, Morning Dopes, next NBL franchise, is going to be Newcastle. Will be owned by the Wests Group. Bid steady in. Uh, from the Newey Scoop, sending that one through. Uh, great chat with Paul. Uh, fingers crossed Canberra Cannons make a comeback and Newcastle slash Gold Coast or Darwin for the 12th team. Sydney doesn't need another team. Loving the NBL more and more. Cheers, Noodles, sending that one through. Uh, now, Phoebe Litchfield, our next guest, she's uh, had an outstanding summer and uh, 19 years of age and uh, she's back playing with the New South Wales Breakers at the moment and they've got a couple of games in her hometown of Glorious Orange in the Central West. They play, uh, the Breakers play the ACT in the WNCL on Friday and Sunday there in Orange and uh, Phoebe recently made 78 not out in her one-day international debut for Australia against Pakistan and followed up with 67 not out 
in her next match, and she also made her T20 international debut in December. So it's been some summer Big for year, her, yeah. and she joins us now, Phoebe. A very good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Great to have you on the show. And uh, I guess go back to the start of the summer, Phoebe. Did you envisage it playing out the way it has? Uh, definitely not. I think, um, yeah, if you told me that um, I'd one debut for Australia and then two sort of actually successfully debut for Australia, um, I probably wouldn't believe you. But, um, yeah, very happy with how it sort of panned out. Phoebe, what was that feeling like being around such a successful Australian cricket team? You'd, there's so much experience in that group, um, so much you know brilliant leadership. How did that feel? And uh, I guess uh, you know walking into a team like that can be intimidating, but your results show that you were ready. Yeah, I think yeah that team is just amazing, full stop. And um, I've sort of dreamed of being in that team for a while, and. Um, you know, looking up to those kind of players, you know, Meg, Pez, um, Midge, and yeah, they're just amazing people. It's it's so nice to come into a side and feel feel welcome and feel um, sort of wanted. And then, um, yeah, for them to give me a chance to open was, I think, unreal. I think, mm. you know, it's been very difficult to get into that side, let alone get into that top order. So, um, yeah, just pretty grateful for the opportunity they gave me. And um, yeah, they were really supportive and just sort of Gave me a nothing-to-lose attitude, and um, I guess it paid off. Phoebe, how has your game evolved, do you feel, that you know has allowed you to take it to the next level and perform for Australia? I think the move down to Sydney. Um, yeah, so I moved from Orange to Sydney this year, sorry, last year, um, and had a full pre-season and you know, got in the gym and really sort of worked on my batting um, technically but also mentally, and I think, yeah, that sort of helped. And then just playing games... Um, had a full season in the Big Bash opening, so I think that's that definitely helped. Phoebe, how do you prepare for, for what's to come? There's, there's obviously huge expectation on you and has been for a while now, but how do you find that balance between uh, keeping your eye on the prize and chasing your dream but also being aware that you know a lot more comes with this now with fame with celebrity with endorsement deals with you know look what's just happened with the over in india with the the women's ipl how how do you try and manage these steps to like i say to keep your eye on the prize yeah i think it's a tough it's a tough one because we sort of especially women's cricket we've never sort of had it but it's all it's all coming um in you know great great depth here but i don't know i think I try to just not think too much about it. I, um, you know, try to think back to when I was just a little kid playing at home and maybe just think that how lucky I am to keep playing. And, um, you know, I've got some shoe sponsors with Nike and, um, you know, grey nickels, which I grew up loving and now I get to use them. Um, So I think, yeah, just sort of taking each day at a time and um, remembering how grateful I should be and, um, you know, just in, in sort of... Uh, embrace all the things that will come because um, a lot of people have worked hard to sort of get um, to where women's cricket is now and I'm um, excited to sort of ride that wave. Phoebe, what's been the, the feedback from the coaching staff at the highest level, you know, the Australian level, it, for you to become a, a regular now in this team? Um, I think, yeah, it's pretty hard to break into that top order, um, especially as a batter. Um, and I'd Sort of, I don't bowl, definitely don't bowl. So it's it's hard to sort of put my name as an all-rounder because um, there's so many all-rounders in that side. So, um, 
I think it was more just waiting for an opportunity, which did happen, and making the most of it. And I think that's all I can control. But when you, you know, when you've got Pez, T Mac, uh, Midge, you know, it's very hard to um, sort of break into that top order. So I'm just sort of waiting for my opportunity. But I think it's going to be um, going to be down to probably someone retiring because they're just too good. <laughs> I'm sure you'll enjoy playing for New South Wales in Orange. It's going to be pretty special for you this weekend. No doubt you'll have a big posse there watching at Wade Park. Yeah, I'm really excited, actually. Um, you know, I was really pumped to go potentially over to the um, World Cup but when I um, heard the news. But I'm really excited to now play in, play in on Orange and see some fam and, yeah, go back to Wade Park and... Mm. It's going to feel like club cricket, but um, it's it's pretty cool donning the donning the blue. What's the best bit of advice you've ever been given by one of your teammates at that you know level? You you speak about you know Meg Lenning and um, uh, Healy and and, and and Perry these type of girls. What, what's the best bit of advice one of them have given you? Um, I think Alicia Healy on my debut um, gave me my cap and. Um, just sort of reminded me of like why sort of we play cricket. Um, you know, I think I've probably been caught up in, you know, the professionalism of it and the performances and, you you know, you go from game to game sort of sweating on performance and worried about selection and all that. But um, I think she just said like, why did you first start playing cricket? Because you enjoyed it um, and just embrace that and try to just think of, that when you're out there and, and it's just a game at the end of the day and just watch the ball. It's, I think we overcomplicate things at times. So she just sort of gave me that advice. Phoebe, I'm guessing you've nominated for the women's IPL auction. Yeah, I have. So put the name down, but not expecting anything. When do you find out whether you've been selected? Where will you watch the draft? Um, yeah, the draft's on like Feb 14th, I think. Um, so yeah, I might, might tune in, but, um, yeah, we'll see. I think <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be pretty exciting. I think, um, yeah, the first, first of many, hopefully. The life changer pup. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, well, yeah again, yeah. You, you look at the, the prices that they've paid for the teams. Um, oh, yeah. they're, they're, they're bigger than what they paid for the men's in their first year. I think the average 150 million per team sold. So that yeah. to me says there's, you know, the IPL started with a 10 year focus. That's how they started the men's and they might've sold for 90 million or a hundred million, but that was in preparation, but this is going to take 10 years before we start making money mm. at the women's teams. Mm. They're going to make money from the start. Yeah. You know, this thing's going to be huge. So, and yeah, Phoebe, Phoebe, just, this is a great just on that, do, do you have to put a price on yourself, or you just nominate and they will pay you what they think you're worth? Yeah, you nominate like a base price. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, depending on you know what team wants you, they can do a bidding war. And you oh, saw yeah. with Chris Green. Um, and, and can I ask Green, not Chris, what your yeah. your price is, but can I ask how did you come to your price? Do you speak um, to the other girls on what there's they... Le- there's levels as well. Is it? So yeah. they have like a, a, a level... What, not, it's not called gold, platinum, gold, that, but there's different levels of... Or if, if, yeah, I'm assuming it's the same as the men's. Yeah. So how did you go yeah. about putting your price on? Sorry. No, it's right. Um, yeah, we sort of uh, talked about it with my manager and um, a few other players and just thought, like, you know, I'm probably the least capped player in the world, but um, sort of just put the base price quite low and anything can happen. I think um, probably would go over there for free, to be honest, mm. just to experience an IPL yeah. for the first time. So, um, yeah, but, you know, I think it's it's also an opportunity to really 
you know, make some money as women's cricketers because it's it's an exciting time. So I'm really excited to to see where it goes. Oh, I think it's a smart play. Just okay. get over there For and sure. get an opportunity. Yeah. And if yeah. you succeed there, well, it takes three games. Yeah. If you well, perform in three games, I guarantee the next auction, yeah. you won't be going cheaply. Phoebe, <laughs> <laughs> so much excitement yeah. around your career and uh, what you've been doing uh, for Australia and and uh, looking forward to seeing you playing for the Breakers in your hometown this weekend. Uh, and good luck, particularly with the auction as yeah. well and uh, as well your burgeoning career, career with Australia also. Thanks for your time this morning. Thank you so much, guys. Enjoy. Brad Davidson, good morning to you. Morning, guys. How are you going? Yeah, really well, thanks. And uh, let's review what we saw there on Saturday at Rarewick. And Aft Cabin certainly made a statement in the Eskimo Prince. Didn't he? What, guys? That was uh, some performance, and uh, the clock definitely backed it up as well. He, I mean, it was a great ride by James McDonald to have him sort of in the 1-1 in the perfect spot, but the horse travelled so sweetly into the straight and then just, just rocketed away, didn't he, really? Um, he's just got the X factor. There's no doubt about it, and... Um, the, the times and figures definitely backed it up. I was uh, uh, one of them that was a little bit against him at the price last week, just sort of saying there were too many queries, first up 1,200 dry track and, and whatnot, but uh, happy to put their hand up and say I got that one wrong because he was just simply in a different class to those. And, uh, yeah, look, the Randwick Guineas looks at his mercy off that and uh, excited to see what this horse can do in the next sort of 12 to 24 months. Um, he could... Could well assume himself as uh, even potentially good Open's best horse in that time. I know they've got Animo in secret. They're blessed with talent at the moment. But, um, yeah, he might be going to the to the top of the class the way he's going, that's for sure. What do you reckon Remark can do this prep? Yeah, look, I said Loz on Saturday, for me, he's always been a horse that trials like a Group 1 horse and races like a Group 3 horse. But maybe that gap is starting to starting to close because again on Saturday 62 kilos first up thousand meters it wasn't the ideal setup for him against some pretty sharp horses but once again a, a terrific ride and um, he was able to really take advantage and, and win an impressive style he gave them all weight he gave them uh yep yeah, uh, was far too good for them and and again a bit like aft cabin that the time was outstanding so I uh, wouldn't be surprised if, if he can really just take that next step this time in and and preparation's gone by, but apart from last campaign, prior to that, it just all maybe a bit too soon for him, and and he, he just wasn't putting it all together quite as as well as he was in his races and his trials. But um, you can't knock his last campaign, and then that was a brilliant return on Saturday. So it's only going to get harder for him, no doubt. But um, yeah, the way he's, the way he's returned is uh, is with a bang for sure. Solcom had excuses pulling up lame, but all honours with Banju, which has enjoyed a really good preparation and capitalised on that low weight on Saturday. Yeah, he did. He was just very well placed there on Saturday. I made the point last week that these horses that are the, the benchmark 78, they go straight to open grade if they're in form. They're able to, even though it says that they're not beating the handicapper in the, in the rating system, they're able to do it because they just get in far too well. And, and uh, he was just perfectly placed there on the weekend, giving a nice steer and, able to, to get the job done. Um, no compromise was, was definitely the eye-catcher. Gee, he was 61.5 kilos. He's a ripping horse, that one. He he just turns up start after start. Great preparation. He's a Group 1 winner, and here he is just turning up again this campaign, saying, look at me, I'm, I'm ready to rumble and ready to have a really consistent and, and decent preparation again. Um, as you said, you know, when you looked at Sulcombe on first glance, you said, gee, he was playing. Um, but when they pull up lame, you've always got to be forgiving and and you know at the same time he's a horse that's going to get better as we know over 2400 meters plus so 
uh, got to forgive him there um, with that genuine excuse and see what he's got next time out. Who are the force, uh, horses you're going to follow out of the meeting? Yeah, look, I, I think there's a no compromise and Arth Cavan are the obvious two, um, you know, remark as, as well. But look, they're pretty obvious in, in the fact that they're going to be, particularly your Arth Cavans and your remarks, they're going to go up pretty short next time out. So the bookies aren't going to be taking on those types of horses. But yeah, no compromise. He looks in for a super prep to do what he did there on the on the weekend. I mean, his late sectionals were outstanding and the ground he made up against a horse like Banju would, I think he was giving him, what, Ten and a half kilos, so uh, that was uh, that was a, a superb run for sure. And uh, who are we putting in the bin, Davo? I think we've got a uh, sack Kettle Hill for a little while, guys. He's, I know he didn't have a lot of luck there on the weekend, but when he got clear late, he probably could have done a little bit more. He's, he's just taking up a lot of percentage in the market, and he might be one of those imports that just needs a little bit of time before really realising he's best in Australia. So he can go in the bin this week, Kettle Hill. Uh, and I guess in the forgive file, we put Solcom. Anyone else that we've missed? Yeah, there's a couple of others uh, there that, that uh, pulled up lame. Um, Dragonstone, Star Spark. So we can be forgiving of those two as well. They're on Saturday at Randwick. A lot of text, Davo. You, you had us some spirited debate over Charlatan there on Sunday. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, uh, yeah I'm, I'm happy to, as I said, always happy to have my, my say in a respectful manner on social media and uh, I, I said there on um, Sunday, there's one thing that does surprise me a little bit with the racing industry. It seems like in other sports, everyone can have a, a sort of respectful opinion. But uh, when it happens in racing, it, it seems to be uh, everyone everyone sort of gets pretty, uh, yeah, gets gets up about it. So, um, oh, look, you know, that's that's part of the game. I'm, I'm a commentator, that the form analyst that is going gonna, gonna to have an opinion. And I'm pretty comfortable with my opinion there on Sunday as well. So... Uh, that's the way it goes. Uh, we, we don't always see eye to eye, and that's that's, uh, that's totally fine as long as that's respectful. It's professional sport at the end of the day, and um, if we don't have if we don't have respectful criticism in the game, then uh, you know then it's, it's, it loses a, a big part of its uh, appeal in my in my opinion. Loz is nodding. There you go. Oh, look, I think everyone's entitled to their opinion in any sport, uh, and as Dave said, as long as it's respectful, I think mm. we all sort of. Move on, and I think it's good to have differing opinions. You don't want everyone to agree at times well, that's on everything. Why our show exists, Loz, to have an opinion. So good on you, Dave. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Cheers.